ass is a Can I do that? Can I do that? Yeah! Well, good morning, Nona Church family. So glad that you're with us. Hey, can we thank our band for leading us again this morning? What an incredible job they did. We're so blessed with uh, such an incredible team. And let's keep those hands together and welcome everybody who's joined us online. Online, we're so glad that you're with us. Thanks so much for being here. My name's Colin. I serve as the lead pastor, and we're jumping into part two of our series, T-G-I-F. T-G-I-F. Thank God it's family. Have you ever asked this question or maybe considered this question, why does the church exist? Why does the church exist? I, I know why school exists, right? We need to make sure that we get educated. Um, I, I know why the gym exists, right? So that we can uh, give people a bunch of money and then not show up to it, right? I understand that, right? Yeah. Um, I, I get why Chick-fil-A exists because we need to know that heaven is real, right? I mean, there's, there's these real things that we understand why they exist. But what about church? Why does the church exist? Well, I think the answer to that question is contingent upon uh, what you believe church is about. Uh, if church is an event, then I would uh, say that the question, why does church exist, will be a question we'll ask for a lifetime. Because if it's an event where I take my kids, uh, well, Disney seems like a far better way to spend uh, a weekend. Uh, if it's an event where I go to, to listen to incredible music, well, I'm so proud of our team and our musicians here, but there are people that do that for a lifetime. Uh, if the whole goal of going to church is to, to maybe get an inspiring message, then my goodness, there are podcasts and TED Talks that you can listen to at any time, at your convenience and at your comfort. Why then does the church exist? See, if the church is an event, I think we'll always ask that question. But I think the church is more than that. You see, while I can podcast the, the message that I want to listen to or curate the music that I like or find really compelling places to take my kids, the thing that the church does that no other place does is create family. Because I can't hug a podcast. I can't process the pain of my life with uh, a worship set that's with Spotify. I, I, I can't find somebody who knows my story and wants to walk with me through the difficulty of life by listening to a TED Talk. See, the church is not an event you attend. It's a family where you belong. And thank God that it's family. In fact, that's not just my idea, though. Jesus cannot agree more. Uh, in fact, there's a moment when Jesus is out doing ministry early on, uh, and as he's talking to a large crowd, his mom shows up, his brothers show up, and his sisters show up. So mama's there, and all of the siblings are there. And in Matthew chapter 12, we find this, that while Jesus was still talking to the crowd, his mother and brothers stood outside wanting to speak to him. And someone told him, your mother and brothers are standing outside wanting to speak with you. And he replied to him, who is my mother and who are my brothers? Pointing to his disciples, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. This was a radical statement from Jesus, right? But Jesus cannot sin, so he wasn't disrespecting his mama, right? What he was doing in that moment was reframing for his followers and reframing for us what family actually is. 
that to be a follower of Jesus means that we're a part of a community, we're a part of uh, an environment that isn't like a family, but actually is a family. We are meant to function as family. In fact, Paul puts it this way in Ephesians 1. He says, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ, meaning that the church is like one big blended family. But here's the problem. While church is a family, if we're honest, just for like five minutes, it does not always feel that way, does it? I mean, Sunday at 11 a.m. is still the most segregated hour in America. And for some of you, the reason why you're here at Nona is because, well, you had a really bad church experience last time, and you're just trying to give church a shot again. For some of you, uh, you felt like a number to be counted instead of a name to be known. For others, you felt like a resource to be used instead of a relationship to be built. And here's what I know, is that most churches and most leaders that I know don't intend for church to be that way or feel that way. Uh, Every pastor I know uh, longs for and desires for a church to feel like and be like family. But here's the problem, especially for churches that grow and and grow quickly, is that we all know that, that families are complex, and the larger the family becomes, the harder it is to maintain that sense of family, right? I mean, if you've got kids, you know this, that, that one kid is a lot easier than having a lot of kids, right? Uh, when when Stacy takes, you know, three kids and I've only got one, it's like I don't have any kids, right? It's such an easy life. But man, you give me four all at the same time and it is tough. In the words of Jim Gaffigan, what's it, what is it like having a lot of kids? A matter for us to be able to know where we belong in the family than to just kind of assume that we're going to figure it all out. And so at Nona, we have a strategy and a way that we do church that allows us to continue to feel like this place is family. So so here's what I want to do today. I want to answer this question. How do I make sure that this church feels like my family? Because if every church has a family and every family has a home, the question then is how do I find where I belong. And that answer to that question is what I'm going to try to do in this message. So my goal today is to help you know how to find your fit in this place that we call home. The answer to the title, the answer though is also the title of today's message. So so like I mentioned in this series TGIF, uh, every single sermon title is connected to a sitcom that is known in uh, America, right? And and we're going to be as nostalgic as possible. I'll be honest, okay, we've got a a gift to give away today. If you can guess it, first person to guess it gets the gift. I'm I'm a little bit concerned that no one's going to know this one because it's a deep cut, all right? So you need to pay close attention and think about it. This is the question that we're answering today. How does this church feel like family. So here are a couple of clues. Yell it out when you figure it out. All right, here's the first one. First clue. This is the story of a blended family where each parent has three kids. It's not the Brady Bunch. Keep on guessing, though. Step by step step right here. Round of applause. This man gets Jenga. Wow. Man, after my first clue, well done. Yes, he said my favorite show. Pray for him, all right? So step by step, that's the answer to the question today. How do I make sure this church family feels like my family? The answer is step 
by step. At Nona, we like to say that our mission is to help every person know and take their next best step in following Jesus. And by the end of today's message, you should have what you need to find a place to belong at Nona. Because at Nona, there's a way we think about church, and it's this way. We believe that that church, we see church through the lens of family, uh, but we structure church through uh, the framework of a home. So we see church through the lens of family, we structure church through the um, framework of a home. And and this wasn't our idea. In fact, in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19, Paul says this, consequently, you're no longer foreigners and strangers, that's, that's the idea of a blended family, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his, what's the word here? Household, household. Galatians 6.10, Paul says it again, therefore, as we have opportunity, let us work for the good of all, especially for those who belong to the household of faith. One more, John 14, these are Jesus's words. Don't let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms, house and rooms. And so this model is the way that we structure life here at Nona. So we don't just uh, say that we're family, but we can actually function and be a family. So hear me today. Hear me today. The church is not an event you attend. It is a family where you belong. And so the key is this. If the church is a family where you belong, then we have to find the room in which we belong. So how did Jesus do this? You see, what I find so interesting as I read the gospel accounts is that Jesus was incredibly intentional with everything that he did. And he went out of his way to create spiritually effective and relationally appropriate environments for people to follow him. So in a world where religion demanded people to fit a certain mold, Jesus blew that mold up because his way was invitational. And that's what stands before all of us today. Whether or not you're new to church, been hurt by church, trying to figure out what church to belong to, there's always an invitation from Jesus. And when I think of a home, I think of kind of four primary places where relationships happen, where relationships happen. And, and that's how we design our church. So I want you to think of a home today, and it may not be your house, but a home tends to have kind of some key areas. In our home, one of the things that we have is a cul-de-sac. Uh, I love the fact that we live on a cul-de-sac. It's a ton of fun. Uh, my kids uh, have basically taken every single person's property in the cul-de-sac and made it theirs, all right? Uh, they come home with a lot of different things from our neighbors, and I'm like, I think you should go put that back in their yard. That happens um, a lot. Uh, but we've got one neighbor who's absolutely incredible. Um, uh, Mike and Cindy are incredible people. Uh, From the moment we moved into our neighborhood, I remember one day I went to go take out the garbage on a Thursday morning, and my garbage cans were out by the curb. I came into the house, and I said, Stace, did you take out the garbage? And she goes, no. Did you? And I said, no. And then we just went about our day. Well, I come home, and then my garbage cans are neatly placed back where they were right next to my garage, and I'm thinking, something is going on here. <laughs> I wait another week, it happens again. Wait another week, it happens again. It's been six years, and I don't think that I've taken my garbage can out once. We've got incredible neighbors. Uh, Mike and Cindy are these just beautiful gifts. They, they love our family, but our relationship really started uh, a Halloween one year. Our, our uh, cul-de-sac puts on a Halloween event every year where we pull out our grills and we grill hot dogs and hamburgers. Uh, in our neighborhood, we give out like the full-size candy. It's a bougie neighborhood, right? We got some cool stuff. And, and so everybody kind of comes together. And, and the way that our relationship really started was in the cul-de-sac. It was pulling out a beach chair and kind of sitting in the middle of um, our driveways, just chatting and talking. It was over hot dogs and over hamburgers. 
And the relationships that we've built with Mike and Cindy and the rest of our neighbors, uh, they're, pretty, they're pretty low uh, commitment, but they're high relational. Um, these are environments where, I mean, we don't really talk about super intense or difficult things, but we know that we want to be good neighbors for one another. And at Nona, we really believe that the cul-de-sac is vitally important. It's why we do things like Be Rich. It's why we uh, give uh, tens of thousands of dollars away into our community. It's why we create environments that are really low-key, that are easy for you to invite your friends to. It's why we do neighborhood um, uh, barbecues and, and cookouts, because we believe that part of our responsibility in this community is not just to tell people about the good news of Jesus, but to be people that bring the good news of Jesus where we go. Now, Jesus modeled this in incredible ways. In fact, if you have your Bible, uh, you can go and flip with me to uh, Matthew. And what we'll find in uh, the book of Math, uh, Mark, rather, is in Mark chapter 2, we find this, that Jesus uh, is walking along the way, and it says that he went out beside the lake, and as a large crowd came to him, he began to teach them. As he walked along, pay attention to this, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector's booth. And he said, follow me. And Levi got up and followed him. Now get to verse 15. While Jesus was having dinner at whose house? Levi's house. So this isn't Jesus' turf. This isn't Jesus' environment. It's not at synagogue. It's at Levi's house. We find here that many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. And when the teachers of the law, who were Pharisees, saw him eating with the sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? Meaning, why isn't he where he's supposed to be? Why isn't he in the environments that are, are safe for us who are religious people? Why is it that he's out and about? And on hearing this, Jesus said to them, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Anybody thankful that God came to call those of us that needed his grace? Are we grateful for that this morning? What a truth that is, right? So Jesus picks up his chair and he goes and sits where people are. And we want to be the kind of church and the kind of community that build the great cul-de-sac, that we sit where the people are. In the words of the Little Mermaid, I want to be where the people are. So for some of you, that's actually why you're at Nona. It's because you were connecting with a friend at a cul-de-sac, or you like met normal Christians for the first time in your life, and you're like, maybe they're not crazy, right? And you began to, to connect. It's why we do 6 a.m. basketball. Todd Carlson leads an incredible group of guys, and it's half followers of Jesus and half guys that, that I'm not sure where they stand, but we get together and we play ball. It's why we do neighborhood cookouts. It's why we're so passionate about helping our community. Because cul-de-sac environments demonstrate that we're not just in the neighborhood, but we're for our neighborhood. One of the key questions I ask often is this, if our church moved, would our non-believing neighbors miss us? Would they be like, man, I don't know if I believe in that whole Jesus thing, but man, when those Christians were around, when those people from Nona were around, man, our neighborhood was just better. Man, I don't know if I, I buy all into all that stuff that they're teaching, but but man, I'm so thankful when a family member from Nona Church shows up at our school because I know what kind of person I'm getting. Man, I'm not sure like, like what, I, what I believe personally. I'm still on my journey. But man, I want to hire a Nona Church person because they love Jesus and they're kind and they're gracious and they care about others. We want to be people that are living in the cul-de-sac and making a difference there. 
So, so maybe that's an environment for you to think about. Where do you find yourself today? Remember, we all have a place to belong. Uh, we move from the cul-de-sac to the front porch. And um, I love uh, a good front porch. Um, my mom grew up um, watching Andy Griffith and making me watch Andy Griffith with her. And so that whole kind of front porch, like, you know, like vibe and style, it's, it's something that, that I like. This is an Adirondack chair that is actually from our house. And on our front porch, we've got these two Adirondack chairs. And in relationship, there's a shift that happens when you move from the cul-de-sac to the front porch. When you enter into the front porch, you're, you're choosing as a person uh, to walk up to somebody's house. It's part of the spiritual journey, and it's part of the relational journey. I remember when my, my conversation, my relationship with Mike and Cindy moved from the cul-de-sac to the front porch, and it wasn't actually the front porch, it was the garage, and it was when one of my kids ran into their garage to say hello really early on, and we didn't know where they were, and then they came coming out of the garage, right? But the front porch is a different kind of relational environment. The front porch is an environment where we have an opportunity uh, to get a view into what's going on in the home. It's a welcoming environment. When you walk up to somebody's front porch on the mat, hopefully it says welcome, right? Hopefully it doesn't say leave me alone. Hopefully it says something nicer than that. So when we think about environments here at Nona, a front door environment is a Jesus-centered space that's open and it's accessible to all people. This space provides teaching that is challenging to believers, but it's accessible for those that are still exploring their faith. I would say that if we connect in the cul-de-sac, we really learn on the front porch. Uh, Last week, we talked about the story of Jesus uh, interacting with a woman um, at a well at a place called Shechem. And as that story continues in John chapter 4, we'll, we'll be there to see how Jesus demonstrates this. As Jesus interacts with this woman at Shechem, uh, it says at the end, after she realizes that she's ex- experiencing the Messiah, it says in verse 28 that leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come see. Pay attention to that phrase, come see. Come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? So they, listen to this, they came out. So in a, in a cul-de-sac environment, Jesus goes to, and in a front porch environment, people come and see. So people are leaving the town, and they're coming out to see Jesus, to explore Jesus. Skip down to verse 39, and it says this, that many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. So her story in the cul-de-sac had a profound impact on the lives of people that were now coming to see Jesus at the front porch, saying, he told me everything I did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And then because of his words, many more became believers. And they said to the woman, We no longer believe, and this is so key, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the Savior of the world. So do you see the distinction here? Uh, There are times in in our life as a church where we want to be in the cul-de-sac, interacting and connecting with people in our community because that's our call and responsibility as followers of Jesus. But then there's this other environment that's so important, which is where we come and see, where we sit down and we learn about Jesus. And what I love about the front porch is it's an environment where um, you can go as slow as you want and as fast as you need. I love in this text, it says that, that Jesus stayed with the Samaritans for how long? For 
two days. Meaning this wasn't a drive-by message by Jesus. This wasn't a a quick come-and-go kind of moment or environment. Jesus was willing to sit down and interact and connect and engage in a welcoming environment with people that we're we're, we're not sure what they believed, but we're sure that they wanted to understand a bit more. This is why we have environments at our church like Nona Men and Nona Women. It creates environments for, for people, regardless of where they are in their journey of faith, to be in a safe environment where they can hear stories. Like this woman shared her story. It, it's really story-focused, where we get to share our stories with one another. We get to open the Word and, and understand Jesus' teaching. Where we get to go as fast as we want, as slow as we need, and we get to experience Jesus for ourselves. This year, I'm excited, we're, we're launching something called Nona Young Adults, which is an environment we're crafting and creating to help young adults in our environment find that front porch setting, that place where they can really connect and belong in a relational environment. You know, what I love about the front porch is that it gives us a window into most people's homes, right? Usually, a front porch has a window and a door. And I think the way that I like to think about it is the front porch gives us a window into what a deeper relationship with Jesus could be, and it gives us a door that's open to say, you're always invited to take your next step. Front porch environments are important here at Nona. They're designed for those of us that are ready to learn more about Jesus, want to grow in our faith, but need an environment and want to be around people that can help us do that over time, which leads to the next environment. Now, I don't know about you, but I think that the living room is a, an essential part of a home. Like, I think the living room really serves as, the, as a point of reference and a point of connection. And I remember uh, one day um, when we had a conversation with uh, Mike and Cindy, and uh, it started at the front porch, and then we were connecting a little bit later, and then I went away, and Stacy was talking with Mike, and all of a sudden I walked back into my living room, and then Mike is in the living room with Cindy, and they're chatting about something. And I was like, oh, this relationship has gotten serious. Like, that's what I was, was thinking. You ever been in that moment before where like you've, like you're somebody's over at your home, you didn't know that, you walk into the living room and you go, oh, there's a person here. Has that ever happened to you? Okay, yeah. So I, I'm in this, this moment, right, where I'm, I'm realizing, oh, our relationship is far deeper than you taking a trash can to the curb and, and bringing it back. We're, we're moving into a different level of relationship, and I'm okay with that. I think that the living room is an essential part of our growing with Jesus. I would say if we connect in the cul-de-sac, if we learn at the front porch, then we really grow in the living room. Now, at our home, the living room is an important place because that's where the most comfortable couches are. It's the best place to sit in our home. Uh, it's where we like to watch movies. It's where uh, we crack jokes as a family. It's where um, our kids kind of snuggle up. It, it, it's the spot to be in our house. Uh, and, and I think that the living room for us as a church, when we think about uh, the structure that we utilize, this is the place where we linger for a while. Uh, The living room uh, for us is where community groups happen. It's where we share life with one another. Uh, It's where the crowd becomes a conversation. It's where where numbers become a name. It's where uh, the complex ideas that we hear in 30 minutes on a Sunday become concrete um, applications for us in our daily life. It's where our real friendships are built and fostered and grow. 
You know, Jesus modeled this a number of ways, but, but perhaps one of the most famous ones is, is this place called the Sermon on the Mount. If you remember, we taught through Matthew 5 uh, this summer. And what's interesting is if you look at Matthew chapter 5, where Jesus gives the Beatitudes, these really important teachings and lessons to the followers of Jesus, there's this key verse that I think we sometimes forget, and it's in verse 1 of chapter 5. It says this, Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down, and his disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. So, so get this. There was a crowd, and so Jesus left the crowd. He sat down, and who are the only people that came? The disciples. So, so it went from a crowd at the front porch to a conversation in a living room with Jesus. Um, in Luke chapter 10, verse 38 to 42, we see the importance of the living room to Jesus, the importance of this smaller group setting, when he sits down with his friends, Martha and Mary, and is spending time at their home. And we find that as Jesus and his disciples are on their way, they come to this village. In verse 39, it says that Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. And so she came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do this work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. Marcia, Marcia. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. You are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken from her. What was the better? The better was sitting at the feet of Jesus, quite literally, in a living room. Martha is running around, distracted by all of the things that need to get done. And Jesus says, Mary has chosen what is, what's the word? Better. It's better. Why is community group better? Because we were built for real relationships with one another. Why is community group better? Because there are things that can be done in circles that can never be accomplished in rows. Why is community group better? Because, because when my life hits a valley, it's a lot harder to call the church office hoping that somebody who kind of maybe probably doesn't know me can enter into my story as opposed to having people that have walked with me and know my name and know my family. But oftentimes, the reason why this seat isn't the seat we end up sitting in is because of what Martha experienced, which was distraction. I'm too busy. I have too much to do. There are too many things going on. When would we ever find time? And I love that Jesus does not condemn Martha. And I want you to know that Jesus doesn't condemn us. He just says, listen, Mary has chosen what's better. She's not allowing the distractions of life to stop her from engaging in the kinds of relationships that are going to change her life. And I want to encourage you today, as we think about what it means to be a family that is really connected to a home, you've got to find a place to belong. And for many of us, the place to belong is probably in that, that living room. I'm excited this year we're, we're launching something called Rebuild Groups. It's another form of community that, that happens in the living room where people uh, through with the facilitators who are trained um, actually help us process our stories, our pain, our trauma, our points of hurt. And we're launching those this fall. 
And so whether or not it's a community group that you join or if it's a, a, a rebuild group that you're a part of, I want to encourage all of us when we think about how to make this church feel like my church, to let this church become my family. Man, I really think a lot can happen right here in the living room because Jesus reminds us that Mary has chosen what is better. Well, there's one more, one more um, room in our home, and it's the kitchen. I'm not all about you, but I love the kitchen. Um, but in our home, the kitchen is the messiest place. Can I get a good amen? Is the, the kitchen, yeah, right? Like a messy kitchen is a family filled with love. Like that's why, the way that I kind of deal with, you know, the emotion of walking into uh, a place that's a mess. And our kids love to bake, and so there's flour everywhere, right? Uh, they hold on to bananas far too long, and I'm like, why are these bananas in the house? And they're like, Dad, it's for banana bread. And I was like, we don't need that. And he's like, no, we need it. And then they don't make banana bread, right? And then I get upset and throw away more bananas. I can't tell you how many bananas we have not eaten. I could freeze them. Great. Good to know. Things I didn't need was another way to keep bananas. But here's the thing about bananas. Not bananas. Here's the thing about the kitchen, all right? <laughs> is that kitchens are messy, but they are where the meal is made. Man, if, if I want to have a great time in the cul-de-sac, well, I've got to make a meal to bring to that Halloween party. Well, I make it in the kitchen. If I want some good sweet tea when I'm sitting on the front porch and it's sweet tea, not unsweet, if it's sweet tea, I got to make it in the kitchen. And if we want to have some good nachos while we're watching football or spending time with, with people that we love, we make it in what? In the kitchen. And the reason why this chair is a bar stool is because when you're in the kitchen, you were never meant to stay in the kitchen forever, were you? You were meant to prepare something in the kitchen or be prepared in the kitchen so you can take what you have, take what you know, take what you've learned, and give it away to someone else. The kitchen is an essential part of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. This is leadership. In Luke chapter 10, verse 1 and 2, we see Jesus modeling the kitchen for us when it says this, After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. So the disciples have been following Jesus. Man, they started in the cul-de-sac. Some of these guys were fishing. Then they moved to the front porch. They, they spent some time learning a bit more about Jesus. And then uh, they came from the crowd and they became, you know, a smaller group. And now they're sitting and they're really, really connecting with one another. They know each other by name. And Jesus has been teaching them a lot. And then he brings them into the kitchen and says, all right, here's the deal. Everything that I've been doing, you're going to go do now, two by two, ready, set, go. And he sends them out. And they have no idea what they're doing. And for some of them, it goes really great. For others, it doesn't go too great at all. And they continue to just try this whole thing out. But they're taking what they've learned, and they're now literally leading others in that process. Jesus told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. So ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into every harvest field. If I could modernize this, it's like Jesus saying, there's a lot of cul-de-sacs that need some good neighbors. And I've taught you how to be a good neighbor. So go and be a good neighbor. And then look at verse 23. This verse just means so much to me. After they've gone and done their deal, after they've taken what they've known in the kitchen and brought it out to, to the watching world, 
They gather back with Jesus. They kind of recount what has happened. They're in small group, if you will, kind of reflecting in community group about all that just transpired and as they were making a difference on the front porch and in people's cul-de-sacs. And Jesus says this to them in verse 23. He says, Blessed are the eyes that see what you see. Blessed are the eyes that see what you see. Meaning, man, there's a blessing in being equipped to lead and serve others. There's a blessing when faith doesn't become this thing that's only consumed but given away. There's a blessing when as parents we invest in our kids and we see them grow up to be people that have a faith of their own walking with Jesus. There's a blessing when we're able to be generous and we see people that otherwise would not have had an opportunity now have an opportunity because we learned about generosity in the kitchen and then we put it into practice. And I would say that this is the ultimate goal, that all of us would be able to host and serve our friends in cul-de-sacs at work, the gym, where we actually live, to be able to welcome people on the front porch, invite them into the living rooms of our life because of what we've experienced along the way. In the kitchen, you develop your gifts, you conquer your habits and your hangups, you learn to give away what you have. I'm really excited about some of the kitchen environments we have for you this year, including one called Foundations Class, which is an opportunity for you to learn and grow in the faith in very practical ways that you can apply as you raise your kids, as you lead out at your workplace, as you figure out what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus in an environment where maybe not everybody is. Now, here's the thing I think we need to know, is that in any house, you don't stay in one room forever, Right? I mean, there are times when you're new to the neighborhood and you need to just chill at the front porch. And if that's you, I want you to know, man, we are so thankful that you're here at Nona. There are times when you used to be in the kitchen, but you just need to take a break and sit in the living room. It's been a hard season and you just need some people. And we want you to know that this is what we're here for. There are times, though, where you've been eating way too much in the living room and it's time for you to get up and step into the kitchen. But I want you to know that whatever place you're at, Nona has a place for you. That whatever place you're in, there's a place for you. So I really think that this is the question, right? The question is, where do we find ourselves, and and what would it look like for us to potentially take one more step Maybe you've been in the cul-de-sac and you're wondering, man, I, I think I need to learn a bit more about Jesus. Like I've met some Jesus followers. Maybe you're watching online and you're just kind of like, hey, I've, I've kind of had an eye into what's going on in that whole church thing. Maybe the goal for you this year is step by step to just take one step and find yourself in a front porch environment, hopping into Nona men or Nona women or Nona moms or Nona young adults. Maybe that's the right step for you. Or maybe you've been kind of around this place for a while. You've been hanging out on the front porch. My goodness, you come to church every single weekend. You, you wave and say hi to some folks, but you just really haven't found your people yet. This church hasn't become my church. It's a service, but it's not names and relationships and friendships. Well, maybe the, the goal for you is to take one more step from, from the front porch and take a step over in a living room. 
to sign up for a community group and find your people and begin the risky but rewarding process of having real relationships with people where you can grow in your faith, wrestle with your questions and do it with people that are just really fun and really kind. Perhaps you've been in the living room for a while or you just feel this burden in your heart that man, you've got kids and they're asking you questions and you, you don't know the answers and you wanna be able to help guide them in following Jesus. Maybe you walk into a workplace and you're like, man, I, I really wanna know how I can be a good friend and, and follow Jesus while, while being in an environment that, that's not necessarily focused on that. Maybe you've got friends at the gym and, and every single time they talk, they talk about the brokenness of their marriage or the next thing that they're going to go to to try to medicate the pain that they're feeling. And you sit there and think, man, I wish I knew what to do. Well, that's maybe your opportunity to take another step into the kitchen and let us help, let us help you learn how to prepare a good gospel meal, good news for people, training, education, leadership. I don't know what, what you need. You do. But what we're doing really hard here is to try to create an environment where this church isn't just an event you attend. It's a family where you belong, where everybody has room to belong. Everybody has a place where you can go as fast as you want and as slow as you need. So here's, here's the challenge. What if this year, everybody here, everybody online, what if we took just one more step in our relationship with Jesus? Well, we've made it really easy for you. Um, today is our next steps launch. It means that all of the environments that we have are open and available and accessible for you, and it's really easy. In fact, if you have your phone, you can literally just take your phone and take a picture of the QR code that's on the bulletin at your seat, and that will take you to a form that gives you all of the information on all of the options. And all you have to do is take a couple of moments to fill out that form, and our team will get in contact with you, will follow up with you. Maybe you're like, hey, I, I don't like that whole technology thing. Great, we've got you covered as well. You can walk through those doors at the end of service and pick up a hard copy of our Next Steps launch. But my goodness, after almost a year and a half of social distancing and really that becoming spiritual disconnection, now's the time, church family. Now's the time for us to move beyond these transactional elements of church, treating it like an, a, an event that we attend and really reconnecting again as a family. And you pick the place, you pick the environment, and we will be there to help you find your place in this family that we call Nona. So at the end of the day, there's good news for all of us that belonging to Jesus doesn't start with an expectation, but an invitation. So hear me, if you find yourself in the cul-de-sac, I want you to know that Jesus loves to meet you where you are. If you're at the front door, know that Jesus is happy to stay with you there. 
He wants to give you a vision and a window into what could be. The door is always open to enter into more. If you find yourself in the living room, know that Jesus loves to sit with you and you have chosen the better thing. So stay committed or get engaged in a community group or rebuild group. And if you find yourself in the kitchen, leading others, needing to be trained, wanting to grow in your faith, know that Jesus says, blessed are your eyes because you will see incredible things. Would you pray with me? Father, I pray that today would be a landmark day in the life of our church. That today would be the day for some where church went from the event that they attend to the family that they belong to. That God, people would actually take a next step. That they would understand that their faith is built not by um, simply learning things, but engaging with people. This is not meant to be a sanitized, sterile, disconnected community, but church is a family where we all belong. So Lord, thanks for the gift of the people in this room, the people that are online. Would you allow us to build this family on you, our cornerstone, you, our rock? And God, would we make the biggest difference we can? We love you. In Jesus' name, everybody says, amen.